0: Are you ready to become the top in your field? Welcome to the Tradeswoman Talk podcast, a show designed for you. One that strives to forge solidarity amongst tradeswomen. For years, this has been a predominantly male-driven industry. However, we are now entering a new era. One where whatever we truly desire can be ours. Like we have been saying, jobs don't have genders. On this show, we'll share information with each other as a collective. To empower each other. Share with us your trade secrets as we share ours with you. It's our time to do more than survive. It's our time to thrive. We're happy to have you here with us on the Tradeswoman Talk podcast. And now your hosts of the show, Judalyn, Cassidy, and Andrea
1: Harris. Tradeswoman Talk is brought to you by SupplyHouse.com home to over 180,000 plumbing, heating, and HVAC supplies. SupplyHouse.com offers pros free shipping, returns, exclusive deals, and a dedicated phone line as part of their Trades Master program. SupplyHouse.com is also devoted to putting trades professionals in the spotlight with the Trade Master of the Month program. Each month, a SupplyHouse.com Trades Master is featured, allowing them to share their stories and experiences of working in the trades. You can nominate a Trades Master of the Month by visiting SupplyHouse.com slash TM of the Month. Welcome, welcome, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Trades for Men Talk. My name is Judalyn Cassidy. I am a plumber. Keynote speaker and the CVO, the Chief Visionary Officer of the nonprofit organization Tools and Tiaras Inc., and my co-host Andrea is going to just introduce herself. Hi,
2: I'm Andrea Harris, mother to a wonderful twelve-year-old son, female cement mason for the FDNY, co-director of Tools and Tiaras, and cement mason in the Dove Beauty Bar commercial.
1: And on this episode of Tradeswomen Talk, our guest is always about her business. Before we chat with Wendy, let's get to know her from her bio.
2: Wendy's bio. Brooklyn's own Wendy J. Webb has always lived up to challenges. Entering the U.S. Army fresh after graduating high school, Wendy has always shown she is ready for a challenge. Upon her honorable discharge, she entered Labor's International Union of North America, where she spent 13 years as a field laborer. She found she was not alone, but definitely in the minority. She gained support from other women and also made her way like any construction worker by proving she is the right person for the job. After gaining the experience building roads and working as a mason tender, this was some of the hardest assignments in a labor's jurisdiction. Wendy was ready for a position of shop steward. She again exceeded expectations, and shortly thereafter, she became a seven. Local 79's first female business agent. In 2002, however, Local 79 Apprentice Program was ready to expand in a big way. Everyone involved felt Wendy needed to be a part of that expansion. As Apprentice Code Coordinator, Wendy helped the program expand from 70 apprentices to today's 430 active and over 1,000 successful graduates. Wendy was honored in 2008 by the executive board and membership for outstanding service to the membership. Today, Wendy is still giving back. Her title is apprentice field coordinator. However, she covers so much, whether it is in speaking to the community groups, being the positive role model, or as a mentor, she has always found that being honest and setting high standards in in what works. Now, She has set the bar high for those following in her path here as apprentices. They will have their own challenges, but they know that Wendy is the one person they can count on for guidance now and in the future. She was also honored in in 2016 as labor trailblazer by Assemblywoman Diane C. Richardson. Wendy enjoys helping others and giving people from all walks of life an opportunity to be better in their lives.
1: Hey, 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 Wendy, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We are so happy, ecstatic, and honored that you are joining us today.
2: And I am even more happy because my mom, Wendy, is a retired Local 79 laborer. So welcome, fellow sister. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, thanks for having
3: me. Thanks for having me.
1: We are definitely, definitely welcome to have you. So, Wendy, we have this game uh, that we play with our contestants. It's called Five and Five. We give you five questions and you only have two options, Wendy. Only two. Don't try to pull some out from way out there, okay? You only got two choices. So, are you ready?
3: So, when you say I only have two choices, meaning out of the five, I have to answer two.
1: Uh, out of the five questions, you only have uh, two choices of the question I ask you. You have it's either A or B. You can't. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. all right. So you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, she's ready, people. If you could go, uh, if you could shop for free at one store, which one will it be, Macy's or Target?
3: Macy's.
1: Okay. How do you, how do you prefer your eggs? Scrambled or fried? Scramble. Next, you were at a restaurant and the waiter gave you two choices on how you can have your salmon. Is it going to be grilled or baked? Grilled. Nice. You took a shower and you washed your hair. Do you air dry or do you blow dry? Air dry. Girl, it's your birthday. Your gift is either a personal chef or a personal fitness trainer for a month. Which one do you choose? The fitness trainer. <laughs> I really. Okay. I told you would say food because you love food. Very good. Very good answer. See, it wasn't that. To go with what I need, not what I want. <laughs> very good answer very good answer well thank you so much for participating see it was very painless it is not as difficult so um before we begin everyone i want to say that Wendy Webb is a woman that I have seen for so many years um, in the building trades and always admire her but was definitely afraid to step up to her because she's no nonsense. So it's it was really an honor when I finally get to actually know you. So Wendy I you know a lot of people know what electricians do, what carpenters do, and what plumbers do. Can you explain a little bit what laborers do?
3: Well, um, I work with the building laborers and um, we covered several different aspects of what goes on in the building. One of them is working with a general contractor overseeing that the other trades move in and out in a um, successful manner, in a safely manner, making sure there's no debris around when they're working, keeping the sites maintained and clean and safe. Um, Then we also work with the bricklayers maintaining um, their areas and also doing all their prep work. Everything But laying the block and brick form pretty much. So mixing the mortar, building the scaffolds, pumping up the scaffolds, setting up the scaffolds, cleaning up their work areas. We also do the demolition in the city from total demolition from taking down the whole building to just gutting out the inside of a building as well. We also work with the fireproofers and the plasterers, doing pretty much what we do with the mason tenders, um, tending to their needs as far as making sure their hoses are ready, their scaffolding is ready, their plaster or their fireproofing sprays ready to go. So we're like the grunts of the trades. I call us the movers and the shakers. Nothing gets done without the laborers.
2: Yes, the movers and the shakers. Again, like I said, you know, my mom... um, She's a retired laborer. She was a 731 laborer. Then she, she was actually a Mason Tender. And then she moved to Local 79 as a um, laborer. And growing up in a construction household, my mom would always come home and say, you know, um, there's not very many women in the jobs. And I'm the only one there. Like, when did you realize how low the numbers were for women in construction, especially as a laborer? Yeah.
3: Well, to be honest with you, my very first job, I saw a lot of women because it was a big project. It was on Roosevelt Island. They were doing Manhattan Park on Roosevelt Island. So there was women in all trades. And I believe we actually even had five laborers who were women in the group that I was working with. But um, after that, I realized, you know, there was no other women around. Really. After that, I worked on jobs where I was the only woman on the site maybe there was another trade that had a woman. So I knew that we were there, but I knew we weren't there in numbers unless there was a massive project going on, you know? So I, you know, I would have definitely say that um, we were the minority and we stood out.
1: Wow. So you definitely um, was always, uh, like you said, you were fortunate that you had uh, a bunch of women at the beginning but then there was times that that you were definitely alone we all can relate because andrea being a mason and i being a plumber that has happened many times to me um it said that you uh, you know you served your country in the armed forces straight out of high school what circumstances led you to that choice so early
3: well, um, to be honest with you, um why I chose the military was a movie that I saw when I was younger, about fifteen sixteen years old. My um godparents took me to see private Benjamin, and I was like, "You know what? I gotta do that." So I kind of had my mindset to just doing the military because of that. I knew that um I did the minimum when it came to classroom work as far as school, so I wasn't gonna waste my parents' money and go to college all my time. But I did know that um, I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world, and I wanted to, um, you know, have some type of representation here. I didn't want to just sit down and not do nothing. I came up in the um, '80s out of high school with no jobs. The market was really bad, and drugs was on the streets in my neighborhood. And um, the other alternative was either the military, or you know, you're going to get out in the street hustle, end up in jail or dead. So I kind of chose to get out of the environment and you know, see something different and hopefully come back to something different.
2: And, and and you know, like construction, like the military, construction can be extremely structured. How has the military prepared you for construction?
3: Well, getting up early in the morning, I would have to say that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's where that came into play, because um, the one thing I wasn't prepared for, and I missed that part in Private Benjamin, was the four o'clock wake up. So that was that was my shock when I got in the military. Um, I was the only one who came from New York, went into Alabama and I got there like at midnight and they had no mercy on me. They woke everybody up at four o'clock and that was me too. And I remember when I when they came in banging on the lockers and stuff, I looked up at the ceiling like, What the heck? <laughs> you know? And um I was. I, if I knew that, I probably wouldn't have went into the military, to be honest with you. But that's what prepared me. To be honest with you, that prepared me for the military. I ain't going to say it was the fact that in the military, there's not many women, because when I trained, I trained with nothing but women. But it was, you know, the discipline of getting up early in the morning and making yourself present.
1: And I, I like how you say that, getting up early in the morning and making yourself present. That is the same way it is in construction, maybe not four o'clock in the morning. But I mean, we do get up some people at four o'clock in the morning to get on the job site. But I I, I definitely uh, agree with you with that. That, uh, that was a shocker for me too, how <laughs> early you have to get up uh, for construction. That is a brutal time, especially a lot of people uh, who work in cold parts of the country. So anybody listening, get ready to get up early in the morning if you want to join us in construction. You have had an amazing career in your union and continue to be a lighthouse for many uh, people seeking guidance. How did you overcome uh, the obstacles and barriers that sometimes came up in your way?
3: Well, to be honest with you, um, I kind of believe my childhood prepared me for a lot of the things that's going on now in my life. And I always reflect on experiences I had as a child and how I dealt with them and how my parents addressed them to me as well. So that kind of prepared me when it came to the construction. um, Let me first say that um, I was raised with three brothers and a cousin that lived with me. So I was the only girl in the house for a little while. You know, four or five years later, I had sisters. So I was constantly battling with my brothers, trying to find a place with them. So they kind of prepared me for the, the men trying to shut me out and me you know, not having it, you know, (laughs) so um, that was my first part right there. And um, one of those brothers happened to be a twin brother. Uh And I didn't understand even growing up, you know, my mom always tried to make a difference between sexes, whether I'm a male and he's a female. So there was certain things he was allowed to do that I couldn't like he had a curfew that could have been at 12 o'clock and mine was at 10. And I didn't understand that. I'm like, we're the same age. Whatever could happen to me could happen to him too. You know, And I felt like I was stronger than him anyway. So I really didn't understand. I felt we'd probably be better off together if we were in the street, you know, hanging out than if he was by himself. So, you know, those challenges. And I was the type of person that was not just going to let someone tell me. That, um, oh, that you can't do that, be a lady, act like a lady, because, you know, one of the things I love about tools and tiara is just slogan, you know, jobs have no gender. And that's so true. Like why can't I do something just because I'm a woman when I'm already doing right. it, you know, yeah. so I, my family kind of prepared me for that, you know, and then the people in my neighborhood growing up with them wasn't always easy, you know, so they kind of taught me how to maneuver around BS and how to deal with their personalities. And I must say that I came from a neighborhood with a bunch of strong personalities and either they make you or break you, you know? So that's where I get my strength from.
2: As um, working with apprentices, what is one of the things that you try to tell your apprentices, especially your female apprentices, that should sit or stay with them for their entire careers? What's one thing you try to tell them That they could say if they see you again in four years or five years, they're like, I remember you told me this. I remember you said this to me. What's one thing you say to them?
3: One of the things I always say to the women is step up and don't fall back. You know, um, one of the things that happen that I see when I'm watching them in training is that if they're training with a group of guys, the guys would tend to want to help them and that's not helping them. And I explain that right away. What they're doing is taking your job from you. So you let them know, thank you, but I got this. And if I need you, you know, I'll come get you. So step up and don't fall back. You know, you have to show and prove. And, and that whole nice thing with the guys, they, it's, it's amazing how nice they are on the job site when it comes to taking your job, you know, so. And another one of the things I tell them is that when you find guys talking to you on the job, they see you as a distraction, even though you didn't start the conversation. So you have to be the one to let them know this isn't a union meeting. Let's get back to work and we can have this conversation. Very
1: good. I really like that because I experience that a lot in the job, like uh, people always trying to talk to you, but I'm working while they try to talk to me. I keep working. So if the boss happens to walk by, hey, they talking to her, but she's definitely walking. But I love What you just said, step back, you know, and show up that is so true because a lot of women we don't realize that that is what is um, really, really important like making sure that you show that you are willing and capable just like them by saying hey, I got this and if I need you I'll call you just like, you know that is that is really some good advice that I should um also share with a lot of women I never say that but I think that is something I should start telling them really, I, you know telling them that you, you got this and you can um fall back my thing was the opposite. I was like, if you're giving me free help, I'm taking it. So, <laughs> but I think because I'm in a, <laughs> because I think in a different place in my career, but I think what you're saying is right, especially for somebody just starting. I've been in there longer, so I can do that. For someone who's just trying to show their presence, that is really a good advice. What is, I'll say, I was going to say two, but if, what is one thing you can share with your, with students and and parents that could motivate them to consider a career in the trades for their kids?
3: Well, one of the things I say to everybody is that um, apprenticeship is America's best kept secret. You know, you get to learn a trade that you don't have to pay for. Most people go to Apex or business school and they're spending $30,000. And at the end of the day, they're still starting off with minimum wage because they don't have any experience. So when you come to an apprenticeship program, your training is free. You're starting off with a decent wage and you're going to have benefits that's working towards the future. So to me, it's a no brainer. And um, you could always go back to college if you want to. And you could go back with money where you're not in debt. So you could actually use the apprenticeship program as a stepping stone to whatever it is you would like to do in the future. If you're coming in with no money and you're struggling, why go to college and struggle and try to figure out how you're going to um, pay your $180,000 debt, right? So maybe if you started off working and saving for it, because we're not as fortunate as others, you know, when you go in, you're going to definitely get straight A's because you remember the hard work you had to do to get that money <laughs> to get there, right? Want, Absolutely. And then, um, the burden of worrying about how you're going to pay is going to be less of a burden because you already know that's covered. So yeah. that's a plus. And, and, and as far as learning to trade. Everyone should learn one because, you know, one of the things I learned in the economy, watching it for the past 30-something years, jobs being lost, everybody trying to go back and find another job, getting a pink slip and trying to sell yourself, hoping that you make the same money. That's one of the blessings we have, you know. Yes, things do slow down, but when we go back, we're not negotiating our wages. We're not undermining. We're not going backwards. We're moving forward. You know, and that's the one thing that the unions gives us that makes us, you know, makes me want to fight harder for them, to be honest with you. Amen to that Oh, we feeling this one,
1: Wendy. (laughs) Wendy, you just woke me up. This is something I'm going to tell my daughter. Like, I never, (laughs) ah, it's like one of those things that Oprah says, aha moment. I just had that with you saying that even when we get laid off and we go back to work, unlike other people, yo, we get in the same salary. Good point. That's a good selling point. Absolutely.
2: That's right. And let's jump back to one of your earlier jobs before this one, shop steward. Shop steward is a job within a job. Every Most union members know this, but could you describe what it entails to people who don't really understand what a shop steward is and not just describe it? Like, What is the most difficult task as a shop steward and how you had to negotiate on the behalf of a worker or on the behalf of a union?
3: Well, the shop steward is the eyes and ears for the local, right? So um, we're there to make sure that our ratio and our job jurisdictions are pretty much followed up to our um, trade agreements. So, And then we're also there to protect the workers. We're there to keep the time. We're there to make sure that everybody's being paid for every hour that they worked and according to how they're supposed to be paid for the hour, whether it be overtime, whether it be, you know, regular time. We're also there for to make sure that everybody gets to work in a safe manner. So if there's a member who's afraid to speak up because they're working or they're feeling like they're being put in an unsafe situation and they're afraid to address it, they can always go to the shop steward. And the shop steward is that barrier between the foreman and the worker. So the worker don't have to feel like, oh, I'm going to lose my job if I say something. Because and now we're local, and I'm sure the locals are like that too. The shop steward can't be laid off, you know, so... Of course, there's things they can do to get laid off, but you have to really be bad at your job in order for that to happen, you know? And um, it's a respectable position, but you have to be a stand-up person in order to carry that position. Now, what I've learned, the hard part about the shop steward is sometimes the people you're fighting for are not really there to stand up for you? They, they're more or less setting you up. They throw you out in a fire, and then when you're saying, oh, okay, this is the problem, they go, oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. So, um, one of the things I did in order to get everybody on my side was be a good worker, first and foremost. Everybody respects good workers. You know, the farmers respect that. You know, sometimes they feel like they get shot sewage that want to sit around and talk the politics of the job and don't do the work on it. So the first thing I believe in is showing that you are a worker first and foremost. So you go there, you do the job, you do it right. And then by you doing that, you represent all the other workers that fall behind you. And you also hold them to a standard. When they see you working, that means they should be working. You know, so when you don't set that standard, then everything else is bad. And then it sets a bad tone altogether. Now, once the workers see that you're working and you're standing in the grind right with them, they're for you. You know, so if if there's a a safety issue, you got the team with you because you know what? They see you as part of the team, you know. But if you're there with holding your book like like you're someone special, no dirty clothes, you know, you're not you're not breaking a sweat. You're walking around with a bottle of water and everybody else needs water. (laughs) They're gonna throw you under the bus every chance they get, rightfully so. You know, it's teamwork. The whole thing with the union is about teamwork. The shop steward is the leader when the business agents aren't around and the business manager ain't around. But yet and still they gotta keep it keep it together. And sometimes they have to they have to know how to um negotiate. And I'm not saying negotiate the contract, but negotiate the BS that goes on. You know, you gotta know that every fight ain't a fight. You gotta know what's fighting, you gotta know your 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 work is you know because some of them are clowns you know and sometimes the form is a clown too, you know so you got to know your
1: audience and and then know how to. <laughs> yes. work them. Wendy, I, I just that's what the one thing I always love about you. You're right, you speak the truth and and you don't hold back. Like I said, she's always about her business and she's right. Be about your business when you're on the job site and be a person in the team. Like she's saying, like, does the work. I really respect, I do, you write about that. The shop store that I've respected is the ones who are putting in the work just like us and are just walking around chit-chatting. So you you definitely, definitely, uh, I co-sign on that with you. I got this question. If you could make one rule, because we know you about structure, right? If you could make one rule that everyone in the world should follow, what would that be? Mm, I know it's tough because you got a lot of rules, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, if I had to make a rule, is before you speak, look at yourself. You know, look internally before you judge another. Nice, I love that. Would that. be the rule.
2: Wonderful. Now, Wendy, can you just give us a um, little bit of information? Where is your apprentice program located and what skills are being taught? I know you touched on some of them earlier in the interview, but if you could just give us a little bit more insight, that would be great.
3: Our training center is located in Long Island City, right um, next to the 59th Street Bridge on um, 21st Street and 43rd Avenue, Um, right next to all of the trains. You know, that was one of the reasons why we chose that area to make it accessible for everyone. Um, as far as parking, we don't never recommend that because it's very hard for us to find parking over there. And usually people who just tend to drive tend to be late for classes. And because we're tough when it comes to our rules and regulations, one minute late means absence. So definitely when they come through there, we suggest a half an hour early is being on time. So, um, suggest that they don't drive. Now, as far as the work we do on the site, on our construction, not our construction sites in our school, um, Most of it is um, we do the ICRA training, scaffold buildings from framing brace to um, hanging two-point scaffolds. We do mason tending. We do um, asbestos handlers. We do lead awareness classes, lead abatement classes, because we also have a sister local that trains in our um, school as well, Local 78, and they handle all of the hazardous waste work. So and we cross train our labor, um, our apprentices with some of their training, even though we don't do this uh, work, we still need some of the training done with them as well. So at least they could identify asbestos if they have to come across it, knocking down a wall. So things like that. Um, silica awareness, class attending, fireproofing, lists. you know. Yeah, we actually started a new class on um, construction history. When we have our apprentices, they pick a building in the city and they have to give us the history of the building. And if it's um, something special, if it happened in the building or if it's a landmark, they share that with us. And I actually like that class. I like to jump in it once in a while and see what they're doing. One of the things I learned about um, the apprentices in that class is that you, you'd be surprised with how many people never leave their neighborhood. You know, so other than them working in the industry now where they have to travel, You know, that's them being exposed. That's just the beginning. And now one of the things I try to tell them is, you know, we build this. We need to actually see it. So sometimes you have to be a tourist in your city in order to appreciate the hard work you do, you know. A lot of people that live in areas never actually visit the places that's right next to them. So I try yeah. to encourage
1: them. That's so true. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that Wonderful. for working in New York for 25 years. And uh, sometimes I don't even, we just go to work and we don't pay attention. So it's kind of good that uh, we, we really start. Until I took a class uh, in project management, uh, the teacher was telling us when we walk around the city, you need to look up. Because we miss it all yeah. the things by not looking up.
3: Yeah, I always looked up.
2: Not only do you miss the things by not looking up, yeah, you miss all the beautiful buildings that you've worked on because they look different exactly. after yeah. you've left. Because so a lot of the time exactly. you're there at the meat and the bones of it. And then when it's done and pretty, you don't even realize that this is where you worked 10 years ago, five years ago, 15 years ago. So,
1: agree. So, Wendy, if you can instantly. Instantly, you were given a chance to change the world for women and girls. And since it's, uh, uh, you know, and also for people of color, what would you change and how?
3: I would change the mindset of the people and the way they view us as women, girls and as minorities, you know, because if we could just get away from the fact that our skin colors or our sex is different, then maybe we could actually Learn to appreciate each other in a different way, you know. Instead of trying to um, outdo one another, and you know, yes, we all are different. We we're, we're born to be different, but yet we're still the same. And um, we have to get away from that mindset. So that's the one thing I would like to change.
1: Andrea, you um, you have any? You have a question you want to ask at Wendy before we close that.
2: Well, I was I was oh I was wondering if you had to start over again. Would you choose to be a laborer, or was there another trade that you were possibly looking at? And and it's just a hypothetical. Like if you had to do another trade, what would it be? And don't say plumbing. Don't say plumbing.
3: Well, to be honest with you, labor, laborers chose me. It wasn't a trade that I wanted, but it was the ones that chose me. Meaning the ones that let me in. They opened up the door and they embraced me, and I rode with it. And um, I I actually wanted to be a plumber. Believe it or not, it was a plumber. <laughs>
2: A plumber a I said, "Don't say plumber. Don't, I, well,
3: say, was, don't say to be plumber. honest with you. It was a plumber, carpenter. Why? Because um, you know, plumbers make a lot of money, and everybody needs them, and carpenters too. You know, so I wanted, yeah. I wanted that. But um, coming in the industry when I did, it wasn't that easy. And by the time I think the electricians called me, I was already like ten years in as a laborer, the painters." Called when I was 12 years in as a laborer and, and I could have made a different choice but I said to myself you know what I've been here and why start over when I'm already halfway here so you know I know a lot of people that jump from one trade to the next trying to find it or sometimes it's you know what you need is really right in front of you and it's just how learning how yeah, to work. I,
1: one of the things I love what, when I met you uh, I was uh, at a women'sville conference and I was in the room where they were teaching a course a course about a workshop about uh, union leadership and I loved how you shared the story about how you decided to get into trade when you were working at, I think it was a Sheridan Hotel and you saw this guy working in construction and then he showed you, could you just tell that story? Because I think it's like the most fun story about what you told him when he was trying to date you. This is what.
3: Okay. Um, I was a um, security, a fire guard in the Sheridan Hotel back in the 80s and they were remodeling the rooms and I had to walk floors, the construction floors and make sure that you know everything was safe there was a Dominican brother who barely spoke English. And he was always saying America was a great country, America dollar <laughs> bill, you know, great. And he also knew how to ask you out for a date. You know, his English wasn't that great, but there were certain things he had key. And that was how great the country was, how beautiful <laughs> the money was, and how beautiful I was. And he would like a date. So I kept talking to him in passing. And one day he showed me his check. And you want to, you know, impress me. Hey, I got like this money and I could take you out. And I was like, you know what? I'm not really interested in you, but I'm interested in that check with my name on it. So i don't know <laughs> decent brother. You know, he took me down to a coalition up in Harlem and I joined the coalition. And that's actually how I got into the door through the coalitions. But. I learned a lot, you know, from the whole coalition aspect of it, because I didn't know the dynamics of the construction industry and how scarce we were and why we were so scarce. So that was an education within itself. You know, but I also took that those jewels with me, plus the ones that came from home when my mama said that you never put all your eggs in one basket. And you got to also learn how to think for yourself and not listen to everybody's story, because they tend to tell a story to get you to think a certain way. So I took what I could from that. And then when I got in the industry and I saw, you know, the challenges we were up against just being minorities and being women, you know, I was like, wow. But I'm going to tell you something that um, really got to me or, or kind of liber- liberated me. And it was it's really weird, you know, like we had an N-word and we've always been looked at, down upon. But when I got in the industry, I realized it wasn't it, it wasn't even about being black, it was just about not being connected because they had names for everybody. There was donkeys, there was guineas, there was spicks, and I never heard all of these names in my life. That and I was like, what the hell? Like it was a culture shock. And what I realized is that get over the name game. Don't let that stop you from reaching your goal because it's that's what it all. It's all a mental mental, you know, it's just to play with your mental. And the deal is they no one likes anybody. That's what I got. It wasn't just them not liking us. They didn't like themselves or they didn't like the person next to them if they didn't look like them. So it kind of made it easier for me to accept their ignorance. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and because of that I looked at them as all just being sick, mentally ill and not knowing and I had to teach them. So that was I always try to go in, look at a bad situation and try to find a positive thing in, in create something to where as everybody kinda of looks at it and say, hey, you know what? Maybe she's right. You know? So that's I always tell people I'm not um I don't have any special talents. I don't paint, I don't draw, <laughs> I don't dance, you know, I don't sing. But I'm really talented about maneuvering uh. around bull crap. You know?
1: And I
3: think that's part of the reason why
1: i'm i like that you don't tap dance you don't paint you don't do anything but i know how to tap dance around that bs so wendy if someone was uh interested in um connecting with you and learning more about becoming a laborer which i always think is a really important job i think it's a, a great job that you have and um How can they go about connecting with you and uh, finding out more about becoming part of the Superhero Club that we belong to uh, as a laborer?
3: Well, I believe we have a. um, Our website is on Facebook, the Mason Tennis Training Fund, and um, they could always find us up there. They could always shoot us emails and let us know they're interested. We suggest that um, they just follow the website, though, to be honest with you, because with our day to day. We're more likely not to answer you, but if you do follow the website, we do um let everyone know on the website when we're doing the open recruitment ahead of time and apply, you know. If apply and be ready to work hard, you know. It's not an easy trade, but it's um rewarding.
1: Yeah. I'll put that I'll put the, the links to the labor's uh, union uh, website. Um type in
3: www.mttf. O-R-G. Now, if you don't type in the www, you may not get us. So, I emphasize okay, the www. Okay, will do.
1: So, Andrea, do you have anything to share before we close out this uh, fun-filled episode with Wendy?
2: Yes. Wendy, I was so happy when Judy said we were having a local 79 laborer because I remember when my mom's. like I said, my mom's a laborer, retired, and she was in a trades, and Going to the Christmas party, wearing her little jacket, because she got the jacket at the party. You guys had the best parties, gave the best gifts, by the way. And the membership was treated really well. And even going down to the office building with my mom so she could get certain things taken care of, I was happy with the way that they treated not only their members, but also their retirees. So I thank you for taking the time out of your day today to share and talk with us. Yeah. it's been great having you.
3: One of the things um, we like to say about ourselves um, is that the laborers we're like a family, and like your family's at home, we're dysfunctional, but at the end of the day, we're
1: all fighting for the same cause and nice. that's what keeps that. us together. Well, Wendy, I want to say uh, for you be one of my mentors, I would like to say thank you so much for joining Andrea and I on this episode. And we really appreciate, appreciate you sharing your time, your story, your knowledge with us because not many people have lived uh, a life in the union um, like you have done and you continue to, um, motivate women like myself and Andrea and all the girls um, that are coming up. You know, I love to say girls, but all the, the young women that are coming up and thinking that they cannot do it. They can look to you and see that, yo... It is possible. So thank you again for taking time. And everyone, we want to say thank you for joining us on this episode of Trace Women Talk. And if you believe, you truly believe that you can make a difference and you're looking for really a career, Come on, come on on this side of the fence and join us in the trades. And every day, wake up with a gratitude and be filled with gratitude that you have the chance to make someone life so much better. Show them that they are magnificent and they have a purpose. Thank you again. Until next time, people. Until next time. See you soon.
0: We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Tradeswoman Talk Podcast. Stay connected. Visit www.toolsandtiaras.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Tools and Tiaras. If you would like to connect with us, please send us an email through info at toolsandtiaras.org. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and review. Until next time, make sure you let someone know how magnificent they truly are.